interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello everyone, and hello humans. Welcome to Not A Robot's Marvel Comics Weekly Review Show. Today we are talking about Phoenix Song Echo Number 1, United States of Captain America Number 5, Death of Doctor Strange Number 2, Fantastic Four Number 37, Amazing Spider-Man Number 76, X-Men Number 4, Darkhold Iron Man, Gamma Flight Number 5, Immortal Hulk Number 50, Trial of Magneto Number 3, and Thor Number 18. My name is Kirk, and I am the Cree Chronicle of comic books, and I'm joined by a lovely and esteemed panel of judges. We have Brandon. I'm here on loan from the X-Men, but uh, I'm hoping to uh, do a good job. <laughs> and Cyril. Yes, yeah, Cyril's my human name. I'm still waiting for my mutant name from Stan Lee, divinely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are here to read, critique, and review Marvel's weekly releases without any interference from the publisher. <laughs> If you like our show, you can find us on Twitter at NotArobotComics, and you can find me on Twitter at KirkHopko. We answer show mail sent to NotArobotComics at gmail.com. And before we get going, I just want to say thank you to all our Patreon supporters. You guys help us out with a dollar or more every month, and we want to thank all of our listeners, too. You can like, download, and share our episodes so we can get more listeners and keep bringing you more of the content you love. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the amazing Not A Robot podcast shows at NotArobotPodcasts.com. Uh, before we dive into the reviews or the news, you might have heard we have a new host with us today. Uh, I'd like everyone to welcome Cyril Yay. to the Marvel Comics hey, Weekly guys. Review Show. Hello. Great to be here. Uh, so, Cyril, uh, we're super happy to have you. Uh, I don't know if you want to take a minute to just share a little bit about yourself, your experience with comic books, just anything you want to share before we jump in. It doesn't have to be too much. I know I didn't prep you on this. Oh, right. Um, well, lifelong Spider-Man fan, I, I, I guess... Uh, I, le- I probably learned colors looking at Spider-Man, red and blue, and uh, green and yellow, and all the other colors that Spider-Man has. Uh, I've, I've started reading all the Spider-Man comics right from issue number one, 1963. I hope I will finish this in the next three months. That's that just a about it for me. Very impressive feat. <laughs> That's an impressive yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I, it's, it's been on the bucket list yeah, for a while. And I'm kind of uh, pre-poning the bucket list just for this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've always wanted to pick a character to try and either read or acquire their entire like History. feature list. Yeah. Um, I obviously couldn't pick someone as massive as Spider-Man for if I was going to try and buy all of them. But I think it would be a cool like little adventure to try and track down every appearance of like a, a nice B or C list character. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, well, we can dive into the news segment. I don't have a lot for us today uh, in terms of news. Uh, I was just on uh, Brandon's recommendation. I was just reading through the January solicitations. Yeah, those, uh, those dropped, uh, I want to say, Friday of this week. And, um, you know, just kind of updating us all on some of the new stuff that's coming in January. There's... Uh, a couple of new books. Um, uh, the I'd say a, a, kind of a, a lot of um, stuff tying in with the the Devil's Reign event. There's obviously going to be a lot of tie-ins there, so uh, get ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a couple of new series here and there, some limited stuff, uh, and a, a new She-Hulk series, which I think is going to be pretty cool. 
um, from uh, Rainbow Roll and Roger Antonio, who did uh, um, Runaways together, or, or Rainbow Roll did Runaways, and that, that was a great book, so it uh, should be good. Um, and then I guess we get a little bit more information on some of the other stuff that had been previously announced on that. They, they did kind of like a MCU type thing where they had the calendar of stuff that was coming up. And um, one of the ones was uh, Reckoning War, and we have a little bit more information on that. There will be an alpha out in January, as well as the Avengers Forever event, um, and a new Sabretooth series from Victor Laval and Leonard Kirk, which um, is not going to be an ongoing, but actually a five-issue miniseries. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff. I'd say you know, give the whole announcement a, a read through when you can. Uh, there's lots of, of cool new series coming out. Mm-hmm. I also am I'm excited for the new uh, Ron Mars and Ron Lim uh, Silver Surfer. Maybe? Yeah, it should be good. Uh, especially since the the blurb that teases about it is someone is using the reality gem to resurrect Marvel. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Like. Uh, we don't get a lot of comics where they uh, they dare to bring Marvel back. So. Yeah, no, they they think only like briefly brought him back for kind of a more like gimmicky thing during Civil War, and then you know usually that's the one they don't touch. That and uh, that and Uncle Ben. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited for that. Um, gonna touch briefly on the one other piece of news I have because it's sort of news. Uh, Eternals premiered earlier this week. Uh, in America it hasn't hit theatrical release but the premiere happened and some of you may have noticed and for those of you who don't this is your warning a variety writer did tweet a spoiler from one of the post credit scenes of the film of course he did um, the spoiler is related to a new character appearing and the actor playing them I was not able to avoid the actor piece a lot of articles hit my feed saying welcome this actor to the MCU uh, and then through accidentally wanting to figure out what the hell that was all about, I also found out who the character was and that I had read a spoiler. I don't know what events or uh, that this character participates in, so and I'm, I'm desperately trying to avoid that, so please don't spoil it any further if you know. But that spoiler is out there, and it's easy to stumble upon, so audience, you have been warned. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to avoid that one like the plague, because I have not seen that article, um, and... Uh... I'm, I'm just like not gonna look for it at all unless some jerk that I know sends me it and spoils it for me, which I've had happen in the past. Like I, I, I had a friend who had seen um, uh, what was it, Far From Home early, and sent me the post-credit scene like probably Yikes. a couple days before I was supposed to see. It. I was like, "Oh, you dick." Mm-hmm. I, I had someone spoil Justice League 2 for me. Oh, uh, man. With Superman. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It's like, just don't do not do that. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> I think spoil is um, probably the wrong word to use there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the only other news I can think of is we we're getting the Guardians of the Galaxy video game releasing mm. this week. I don't know that I'll be able to sink my teeth into it in time to give first thoughts for next week's episode, but we'll find out. By the time some of our audience is hearing it, hearing this, a, uh, the game's probably already out and in their hands, so maybe they can tell me how it is. 
All right. We ready to dive into some comic yeah, books? Yeah, let's do it. Yep. All right. Uh, we're going to start with Phoenix Song Echo Number 1. This comes to us by writer uh, Rebecca Roanorse, uh, color artist by Carlos Lopez, and um, art by Luca Maresca, and lettering by Ariana Mar. And so this one uh, cues in with Echo, our new Phoenix after the event of the Phoenix Tournament back in, what was that, Avengers... Uh, 38 or something like something, that? Or... Yeah, something like that. Where um, Echo is trying to be a superhero, but the power of the Phoenix is destructive, and she's finding that she's having difficulty containing it, and she's running into some errors with that. Uh, she uh, is also learning that the Phoenix's sort of unbridled rage is latching on to her when she feels these strong emotions. Uh, and she's going to be struggling to control that. We see brief interactions between her and Forge, who has some strong feelings about the Phoenix as well. Uh, and then she reaches out to a uh, an old friend uh, to help her support, or to help support her in controlling this power. And he has the ability to uh, or she doesn't find that old friend. She finds a different friend who has the ability to look back through someone's timeline and has connection, has the ability to view um, Echo's ancestors and what they did and cues her in onto what is going to be the central drama of this, uh, <clears throat> this, this, this series. Mm. And... Uh, as, as an intro issue to to the Phoenix song, um, I don't uh, I don't hate it. it. It it's a good it's a good start. It it captures the things I wanted to see about like okay what's going on with the new Phoenix because as much as the Phoenix Force got heavily overplayed in X Men, it is a big gun that. You kind of want to make sure it's not, or you kind of want to know what it's doing. Yeah, and and I feel like you can have. Sometimes it can be pretty interesting when you know the phoenix makes its return, and you're like, oh, what's going to happen? But um, sometimes it's just like, oh no, not again. Like in Avengers versus X Men, or any any of the other like similarly themed phoenix events. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And. So while I enjoyed this one, it was heavily an intro issue, but we did get to see a bit of Echo as Phoenix, which I enjoyed. And one of the things that I appreciated in this one that I have noticed was slipping in the Avengers comics is the the fact that Echo is deaf. Uh, and the Phoenix did not just remove that from her. She, she cannot hear. Yeah. Um, she says to Electra at one point in this issue, Electra, come out so I can read your lips, uh, which is nice. And in this issue, they make clear that anyone she's speaking to, she is showing, she is looking at them face to face. And Avengers got the latest issues of that I found have gotten sloppy. Um, they've had characters with masks speaking to her and uh, characters speaking to her in hallways that she responds to. That she's it just doesn't look like they were they gave much of a concern to the fact that this is a a, a deaf character. Yeah. Now um, was I, was I, Echo a mutant? Remind me. I'm I'm not I don't I don't totally remember. She 
I don't believe so. Okay. Um, she's just a. Uh, she just has photographic reflexes, presumably from whatever like same fluke of nature that gave them to Taskmaster. Huh. Okay. Um, just because she, she seemed to like have that kind of connection to the X Men and and um, also to Brew, so I, I assumed like kind of as like a maybe as a tangential mutant, like she was kind of connected to the X Men, but I. I I, I, I don't remember too much from Echo's origin story. The the blurb at the beginning does not cite that she's a mutant. Okay. Um, and I distinctly remember when Echo became the Phoenix that Jean telepathically reached out to her. And I remember the vibe of that conversation was that you may not be a mutant, but we share a bond right. or something. Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so with that... I thought this was a good issue. I gave it a 7.5. It play, pays good respect to the things that make the character interesting. Um, and I'm interested in, to see where this is going to go. Uh, but I don't have any strong feelings, like, really positively or negatively towards this issue. It's just a good just a good start. Yeah, I, I kind of felt a, a very similar way where it was... I, I really liked some of the scenes where it's kind of her trying to reconcile with the Phoenix powers. And I love the opening where it's like, you know, I'm trying to do good and use the Phoenix forces as a positive force to stop these, um, you know, robbers. But I end up kind of creating much more havoc and I basically just lose control after a point. And I was like that, all that stuff was pretty cool, a pretty cool setup. But um, I just, I, I, I know this is probably like a, I think like a, five issue miniseries or five or six issue miniseries and it's like I hope that that is not something that we're excuse me reading for like five issues of just I'm trying to use it for good but I fail every time because that is going to get redundant real fast so I'm hoping that maybe they can get into more of the mysteries um, soon and and, uh, and and use that as kind of a way to have you know the the best of both worlds where it's like She's also trying to reconcile with her powers, but also it's tied into the story. It's not just one over the other. So, yeah, it was a 7.5, pretty solid artwork. Like, um, just a, a, a decent read, I would say, a decent start. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. No, I concur. I, I enjoyed the uh, initial pages when she's trying to reconcile with, you know, understanding the power. Oh, my God, I've killed these people. I'm a superhero and all of that. And then being chased by... Uh, uh, the Avengers or the Ele- Electra, I believe. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a great one. But mm-hmm. given that it's a five or a six issue miniseries, I hope they get beyond this and really explore the character a lot more. Um, I also, yeah, and it's funny now that we mentioned that. I want to shout out that I think it's of all of the characters in New York they could have picked to lecture Echo mm. on murdering <laughs> bad guys. <laughs> Electra, really? Yeah. That was the, that was, that was the look? <laughs> I know. I mean, her as Daredevil, she still uses her... Her, her yeah, her, her size. size. And, like, I mean, even if she's, you know, only using, like, what the ends of it to, to disarm people or knock them out, like, still is able to use deadly force if she wanted to. But she's she made and, her promise to Matt, but it's like, yeah, that's... Like, get off your high horse, Electra. We can all call you out on that. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Aside from the promise she made to Matt, I'm sitting here like, wasn't the central tension between her and Daredevil for a long time that he didn't go far enough? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. But yeah. 
All right, next up, we've got the conclusion to the United States of Captain America miniseries. Brought to us by writer Christopher Cantwell, art by Dale Eaglesham, color by Matt Mila, and lettering by Joe Caramagna. Uh, Brandon, I'll pass this one over to you. Sure, yeah. So this one picks up off where the last one left us, where the four Captain Americas, or I guess really three Captain Americas, because Bucky is off right now doing his own thing, but um, have captured Superior and are trying to find out a way to make her talk, and John Walker steps in and he's like, all right, I got this. I'm not the Boy Scout. I know how to get it, get the stuff out of her. Um, And really all of them are kind of sitting around trying to figure out what to do next, how best to handle the situation to make sure that whatever hate monger's plan is, they are able to get ahead of it. Um, And uh, that's when John basically walks in and is like, yep, I got it. And he's like, uh, what, did you, what, what did you do, John? How did you get that information out of her? And he's like, well, I used a variety of things, such as rapid fire, silence, sleep adjustments, sensory deprivation. And Cap's just like, oh, my God, what is wrong with you? Um, and, and John's just like, hey, they are, all, they are all allowed under the Geneva Convention. And you, as Captain America, should be aware that these things are all allowed as as uh, interrogation methods, and it's like, oh my God, oh John, God. what is wrong with you? It doesn't make it better. <laughs> um, but Superior, using her uh, wit and tongue, is able to taunt Speed Demon, who is acting like a total pompous ass in this and trying to really show his power, uh, is able to fool him and escape quickly enough, uh, meeting, um, uh, what was her name, Krieger Frau? Was that her name? Or Frau Krieger? Yeah. Something like that. Um, um, yeah, the, the woman who is basically meets her and, and drives her off to where Hatemonger is. And um, basically, they're able to escape. And um, that's when you know, Cap's like, all right, we got to call Bucky and figure out a next move and, and try and determine you know, where exactly we want to go. Because they have been able to trace the relay signal at this point of, of Hatemonger's broadcast or intended broadcast. And they want to take quick action on that. Bucky is kind of warning them against that, saying, hey, let's, you know, try and be a bit cautious about this. Plus, um, Joe Merrick, the, uh, the kind of um, army guy who had discovered Hatemonger's plot and, and uh, um, <clears throat> had sort of been working against Hatemonger's plan, um, is like, hey, we need to be thinking about these people's safety first before we do something, you know, half-cocked. And he's like, uh, no, Bucky, you need to get here now, like move quickly. We need to take this out. And, you know, Bucky's like, this is obviously a trap. Cap is walking into it and this is not safe. And naturally enough, as soon as they show up on the islands, boom, it explodes. And they walked right into the trap like two total jackasses, which I thought was a little weird for Cap. Usually he's the one who's a bit more reserved and is wanting to, you know, take things slow, plan it out a little bit more. But um, I don't know. I, I guess when some writers come in, they just kind of are like, I'm going to write Cap my way because um, he was kind of acting that same way during AVX, not to bring up that storyline again, where he literally just like <laughs> showed up on Genosha. He's like, all right, hand, her, hand hope over. Like, I'm not taking no for an answer. Um, so I, I guess it just kind of depends on where you stand on Cap. But in any case, um, in Hatemonger's secret uh, island base, uh, he and John Walker are awakened where he begins to monologue his master plan like a true villain and uh, reveals that this whole plot of stealing Cap's shield was to use it as a, a hypnotizing effect or a, a tool of um, 
of, of hypnotizing, um, I guess to put people in a suggestive state where they would be willing to believe anything and uh, they would be particularly susceptible into believing anything if it's a symbol that they really believe in, uh, like Cap's shield, which is perfect for them. Uh, but Bucky and uh, the soldier Merrick are able to rally the forces and fly over to uh, California, the island outside of California, and stage an assault on the base, and they're able to disarm uh, Hatemonger and everyone else, um, you know, thankfully in time before they're, uh, they're able to spread their, their uh, broadcast or anything bad like that. Uh, Merrick is able to capture Hatemonger in that little cube, the energy cage where they'd had before, and they're thankfully able to take out um, Superior as well, and uh, you know it's 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 all good stuff. Get to punch some Nazis. It's, it's it's exactly what you want, but they don't realize that the broadcast is actually still going, um, and so that's when they kind of have this really great moment where the entire captain's network kind of steps up, really uh, letting Aaron Fisher, the first captain in America that we met, um, kind of step in and give his little speech on you know what America is and all that stuff, and it's uh, it's it's all very sweet. It's all all. all very uh, uh, warm and, and touchy-feely and you know it kind of ends on a, I guess kind of tying everything together where at, at the first issue Steve had been questioning the dream and feeling like it was just kind of a, a load but now he's kind of come around to it saying you know I feel like I have hope in the dream again uh, especially after meeting all the people from the Captain's Network and that's where we reveal that the uh, museum exhibit that he'd kind of been, you know, really iffy about um, displaying his shield, is now displaying all of the Captain's Network shields, and we get to see every single shield, even John Walker's shield, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> um, it's just hanging there, so I guess he's, he's a part of it. Um, I guess he did technically save the day, and uh, Cap has a, a cute little moment with the kid at the end where he's like, everybody here is Captain America in some sense, and kind of ties it all together, and it leaves you with a big old smile on your face. So, um, yeah, in, in terms of the story, I would say it wrapped it up pretty um, cleanly. Uh, again, aside from some questionable choices made by Cap in terms of leadership, kind of charging headfirst into uh, the hate monger's, you know, lair. Uh, trap. Yeah, hate monger's lair, which to me felt like such an obvious trap and something that, you know, someone who's experienced as Cap would not fall for. But I feel like. They kind of just needed that for plot convenience sake, but I can forgive that, you know, because I feel like everything was tied together pretty neatly. So I, I enjoyed it. This was kind of a fun little miniseries and I think a really interesting experiment with um, Captain America on this kind of cross-country adventure. And I, I definitely think it, um, it exceeded my expectations for the series because initially when I saw that, you know, pitch of Captain America is going across the country to find his shield, you're just like, seriously? This is what we're doing, but they, they actually turned it into kind of like a, a really interesting and, and heartfelt story. So I liked it. I, I gave it an 8 out of 10, and I thought the art from uh, Dale Eaglesham was just really great. He really knocked it out of the park in some panels, and uh, especially that scene where he's like just drawing all the Captain Americas converging on the hate monger's base and busting through the ceiling, like, or busting through the ceiling and the wall, actually, like the Kool Aid right. Man. All that stuff was just really great. So um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's like a comic uh, yeah. comic nerd's dream. Yeah, yeah. Like... All these Captain Americans you can have them yeah. all. And we get six... to see we get to see Bucky suit up as Cap again, which is really right, nice. right. 
All right. Yeah. Just on just just on that page. I mean, had I been six years old and I had this uh, comic book in my hands, I would have probably cut those pages out and posted them on my wall. Yeah, that was that a good. That was a good one. I I I I, I, uh, I had the same impression too. This is this was very unlike Cap uh, to just you know walk into the uh, into the into the into the uh, hate mongers lair. And I think at that point of time, uh, Bucky himself says uh, that something like Cap doesn't realize that he can't order me around or something like that. There was a, mm-hmm. I think there was a speech bubble or a thought bubble there, and I was like, okay, is the mm-hmm. story gonna gonna go anywhere else? And uh, probably there was a interesting uh, thought that Bucky voiced, but then I I guess that really didn't go anywhere. Cap did go into the lair, and very unlike Cap. Yeah, just mm-hmm. yeah, just sort of a weird moment, but um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I. Uh... I also gave this one a uh, an eight out of ten. I really enjoyed it as a wrap up. It really brought together a lot of a lot of pieces um, that I really enjoyed uh, in the conclusion here. And one of the things that I want to shout out was something that this issue did that kind of addresses a piece of the controversy this series was getting early on. And I've um, I, I've been sort of opposed to the controversy this series was getting because I found it was reactionary media really targeting sort of like a broad strokes like idea because mm-hmm. when this series was first getting announced they were showing off the captain america of the railway this this young uh like minority kid they were showing off the captain america uh of kickapoo um like a, a an indigenous first nations captain america and they were showing off a a, a young woman captain america and an uh and an islam captain america mm-hmm. And there was such a strong reaction from certain groups on the internet that they were that they were trying to replace Captain America with some of these, or that they were uh, trying to make a statement in a way that they were they were not responding positively to. But this issue, the the Captain's Network character that they addressed in this issue was Captain. Uh, shoot captain joe merrick yeah and he he takes up a captain america shield in the finale of this as well and he is a white uh a white captain from the u.s military who served in afghanistan and iraq and he tells his story about having to protect his soldiers from the threats that were getting them not just the enemies of the state but also the dangers that just existed in their life at the time from scummy salesmen and stuff who would infiltrate uh, infiltrate but who would come to bases and target stressed out kids and the variant cover for this issue is him yeah um variant number five is that because the point was never that anyone else is more deserving of captain america because there was such such weird hate to this concept but this issue really circles back to the idea that no, everyone was Captain America. Not one people, not one minority, not one... It's not about replacing Captain America. It's about everyone living up to it. And it wasn't exclusionary. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, you know, I think kind of like... A, and I think, and maybe I'm reading into it too much, but that's what we do here as readers. Um, but... Um, I, th- I thought it was kind of like a like a commentary on you know kind of the impact of Captain America, where it's like you have this you know symbol of uh, 
I don't know, American ideals or, or that sort of thing. And it's like, obviously, that's not going to represent everyone under a, a broader picture. But, you know, some of those more basic ideals, you know, standing up for what's right and, you know, defending the innocent and that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, of course, everyone is going to see that and be like, oh, I would I would love to do that. And, and for me, the best way to express that is to, you know, just help in small ways, even if it means, you know, dressing up and making a, a DIY Captain America shield, uh, which I still love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I'm like contemplating doing that for Halloween because I think that would just be so much fun. <laughs> like my own like Cap Sona or whatever. But yeah, I think I think it's just almost like a like a commentary on Cap's unintended impact, but uh, a welcome one, I would say. So um, I, I think that's really cool. I do, and I, I think. Uh, as a as a story, I think it it kind of worked its way pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was it. It's just, um, and I know I'm Canadian, so maybe I don't. Yeah, get, no, I'm uh, I'm the I'm the, I'm the lone American here, so I, <laughs> I it probably probably hits home a little bit more. But um, no, I think I think um, I think in a in a you know even from an outsider looking in, I think you could still kind of look at this story and and get a, a satisfying character arc for Captain America, who is kind of at this point in his life where he's like questioning, you know, how he feels about where he's living. And then you get towards the end and he sees all these kids that inspire him. And he's like, oh yeah, the dream is still alive for me because there's hope in this next generation. So I, I, think, I think both insiders and outsiders can get a lot from this story. Mm-hmm. All right. So next we're going to hit up oh, wait. Death um, of Doctor... Oh. Uh, Cyril, did you give your score? Uh, oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, I, I would rate it about maybe 7.5. Nice. Awesome. Sorry about that. I completely forgot. I'll... How dare you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next we've got Death of Doctor Strange number two. Brought to us by Jed McKay writing, Lee Garbett on art, Antonio Fabela on color, and... Corey Pettit on lettering. Uh, Cyril, do you want to absolutely uh, talk about this? One? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I really loved reading this because I think uh, issue number one it had, it ended on a complete cliffhanger. We had an old Doctor Strange, as an old as in way back from the seventies Doctor Strange coming back, uh, and we learn more about him that he's the failsafe that uh, the current Doctor Strange created in the event that he died. And then finally, we learn about the, the villains, the three mothers in this. There was a little bit of uh, action with the old Avengers coming in. Uh, this issue did a good uh, job of taking the story forward from the last issue. It's still WIP. It's issue number two of 11 issue series. And uh, yeah, I would give it about 7.5. It was a delight seeing the Steve Ditko, Dr. Strange come back. Uh, I think of the 7.5 rating, maybe about two points entirely would be just for that. So yeah, that's... That's it's, it's it's a great book. I'm just waiting for number three to come up. Yeah, uh, awesome. I thought this book really uh, it was it was really cool. I like I like what they're doing with the death of Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. I like how they started with this really dramatic shot of these interdimensional warlords, right? Like yeah. coming in. I thought that was really cool. Right. The only note that I have in my comic as like a negative that I really was like what was that um, the three monsters, the, 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 the mothers. mothers, Crawling, Crown, and Weird, they show up, they beat the shit out of the Avengers, 
And then instead of continuing to win, they just say, ah, we're going to leave. <laughs> but rest assured, we're going to come back and win. And I'm so confused by, like, it seemed so, like, plot convenient for them to just decide to leave again. I guess, I, I think what they they were saying, or at least how I took it, was, like, they got all the information they needed, and then they'll be back or something. Like, this was just, like, kind of a, we're just going to show up, kick your ass, show you who's on top, and then, you know, we'll be, we'll be back to finish the job later. Which, yeah. I was like, uh, I get it, but... Um, I, th- I think I was initially at the, in the same boat as you, where I was like, "Why? Why didn't you just kill them? Yeah, you could they... <laughs> clearly could have." <laughs> yeah, they they put down Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Thor and Captain Marvel yeah. in moments, like. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were just like, "Eh, good enough. Yeah. We'll come back." And I was really confused by that, but. All in all, I think it was really enjoyable, and we're in spooky month as, uh, you know, as it, it is Halloween yeah. coming up, and so October is a is very much a, um, a month for that sort of thing, and I with that in mind, I do want to say Crawling is such a creepy character. Yeah, all yeah. these designs are great. Like I have to say, they are they are the perfect designs for a a spooktober, if you will. Um, just mm-hmm. like hideous to look at. And then there is the um, I forget her name, but the one who kind of only talks in lowercase letters, and it's almost like more disjointed. Um, and uh, and she kind of has like multiple hands and. Uh, is like deflecting blasts and stuff, and I was like, that was a great design, and just like kind of a, I, I just love that aesthetic for like a creepy Doctor Strange villain. Yeah, I don't remember her name. Uh, she reminded me of an Egyptian kind of a villain or something like that. I I don't remember yeah. her name. Yeah, but yes, the artwork is amazing in this. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I gave this one uh, an eight out of ten. I did enjoy it, all all else considered, and I kind of like the new, the old Doctor Strange coming in and being like, ah, I don't know who any of these people Zumps. are. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> definitely has like that old, very old '60s kind of speak, where he's like, you know, he's 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 a lot more like pompous and yeah. uh, and you know that sort of thing, and not not quite as I mean, you know, Doctor Strange still kind of has some of that occasionally, but. Um, I would say is, is much more relaxed than he was in his original inception. So yeah, it, it is pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I also gave this one, actually, no, I gave this one an 8.25 just cause oh, wow. um, there were, there were some panels here that I just really loved. Like I really love the artwork from um, Lee Garbit. Was that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Really, really great stuff. Awesome. Um, has everyone? Did everyone rate this one? Sorry. I... Uh, yes, it was a seven point five from me, eight from you, and eight point two five from Brandon. Right. Sorry, I'm <laughs> trying to keep up with yeah. my notes, and my computer won't. My computer's misbehaving. But let's move on. It's it's spooky month. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost <laughs> in the machine. Yeah. 
All right, next we've got Fantastic Four number 37. This comes to us by Dan Slott on writing, Nico Leon on art, uh, Dono Sanchez Amara on color, and Joe Caramagna on lettering. And this book covers a a good middle point. It, it covers a bit about what some of the ongoing drama is, what with uh, Johnny Storm still reeling from Doctor Doom and fusing him with cosmic radiation, uh, and then Mr. Fantastic sort of being obsessed with the, the message from his father to find his lost sister. Uh, but then in betwixt all of that, we get a uh, sort of one-off issue about the profiteer from the Casino Cosmica deciding uh, to get Jovan and Nikki back by sending people to recover them. And this happens on Halloween when Jovan and Nikki are doing a Halloween prank to get a bunch of extra candy. And uh, there's a resolution of the profiteer's scheme. There's a resolution of the Halloween prank. Uh, and everything sort of remusters to position itself forward into the ongoing drama of Reed that Reed and Johnny are facing. Um, and I know I sort of blurred through that, but honestly, as far as a 20-page sort of middle issue, I loved this issue. Um, it was a lot of fun to have Jovan and Nikki sort of being kids and doing kids stuff, but there was a lot of the things that were introduced in their arc were wrapped up and then the we still got interesting and good conversations between Johnny and Spider-Man and Sue and Richard or Sue and Reed about what's going on in them and what's going to come. So for an issue that doesn't necessarily move the big stuff forward, it didn't get so bogged down in middle tension or the one-offness mm. of the Halloween shtick. It was a good, fun Halloween issue, and it was—I felt a really pleasant stopping point. I ended up giving it an eight point five. I, I had such a good time with nice. it. Nice. I—I uh, did not get a chance to read this one, but uh, it sounds like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Well, the, so sorry. Go on. Yeah. Well, then I'm—I'm I'm glad I didn't go too in depth in my summary. You get to read a little bit about uh, some fun Halloween hijinks with Jovan and Nikki. Uh, they're 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 good kids. <laughs> uh, so next we have Amazing Spider-Man seventy-six. This one comes to us from. Sorry, my notes are out of order. This comes to us by Zeb Wells on writing, Patrick Gleason on art, Marcio Meniz on coloring, and Joe Caramagna on lettering. Uh, Cyril, I'll pass it over to you for the, the summary. Absolutely. I think uh, the artwork alone puts the amazing part in The Amazing Spider-Man, especially in this one. It's, it's mind-blowing artwork by uh, Mark Jimenez. And uh, the storyline, it's basically issue number two of uh, a number of... I'm not sure how, how long this uh, miniseries would be uh, running for. So it basically picks up from the last issue, Peter Parker's in the hospital, and Ben Riley's taking up uh, the mantle as Spidey. Uh, it it had a good start. Ben Riley was reaching out to Aunt May and uh, Mary Jane. There was a fine uh, point where Aunt May knows that. So Ben Riley calls them, saying that I'm Peter Parker. I'm I'm the hospital. And Aunt May quickly realizes it's not uh, it's not Peter there. Uh, Peter on the other side of the phone. And it kind of abruptly stops there with Aunt May, and then the story progresses. Uh, so basically, to, uh, long story short, uh, Ben Riley takes up uh, takes on the Spidey mantle after getting permission and blessing from Peter Parker from his hospital bed. He goes on to become Spider-Man and kick ass. And while Peter Parker is in trouble in the hospital, it also ends on a cliffhanger. Don't want to spoil it anymore, though I'd love to. 
uh yeah i would give this uh maybe 8.75 and of that maybe 3 points entirely for the art yeah isn't that is pack lisa great yeah I'm a, I'm I'm a little I'm a little spoiled just because over on the DC side Pat Gleason's been, you know, doing Superman and Green Lantern and Batman for years and years now. So right. like I I'm I'm already like seasoned with this stuff and I'm like, "Oh, I'm so so excited to be seeing him drawing Spider-Man in full. It just looks so great." Right, right. Even the coloring, the, the entire lighting and everything that's like the sky itself looks beautiful. Yeah, it's like there're just so many great action shots and, and I know. like yeah, just there's like that one shot of just like Ben Riley in motion in the air. Beautiful stuff. All right, right. I haven't read this one yet, but it is on my list. Uh I read 75 and I'm excited to keep it going. I've just been uh, a little wrapped up. All right, oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, you no, should you should you should do this. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I did get a chance to read Amazing Spider-Man 76. This one got an 8.5 for me. Mm-hmm. Um I think I'm going to I'm going to steal Cyril's point as well and give 3 points just for the art from Pat Gleason because he's just incredible um and I I just love his character work. Um and I this story is really good too. I mean, um it it is like, you know, just like really snappy and like it, you know, I I would I would even say fast-paced, but not in a way that feels rushed. It's just like it's intense and it's driving and it's it's just really good and um it is it is almost exactly what i think people had wanted out of this kind of setup which is ben mm-hmm. riley's moment to shine while pete mm-hmm. is trying to put his body back together and and that is like it is just told in such a great way such a genuine way that i i love it so kirk yeah i definitely recommend when you have a chance reading this issue it's um it's yeah. if if they maintain this level of quality for the weekly Spider-Man stuff that they're, you know, promising to do, it's it's going to be a really exciting ride for for Ben Riley for the next couple months. Yeah, that's awesome. It's yeah. it's it's like a it's like a thriller. It's like watching a thriller unfold in Absolutely. front of you. Absolutely. And there's yeah. this one page where you see the page is divided into two and there's Peter Parker on one side and Ben Riley on the other, yeah, one in the hospital gown so and one in Spider-Man. Yeah, it's 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 um, art is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I well, I'm definitely going to check it out. It's just uh especially since I've got this Spider-Manless week here in between uh to prepare for myself for issue 77. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm all in. Uh especially with like we said those January solicitations. They're they're teasing that January is going to be a, a big time to be Ben Riley fans. Yeah, so. yeah. So yeah. I think I, th- yeah. I think this is like essentially just banging that drum, you know. of uh getting people excited about Ben Riley again and then you know like you said January new flashback Ben Riley series <laughs> that you can get excited for and uh just just get your Ben Riley Spider-Man fix on you're right banging the drum mm. and banging it well yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um awesome well next we're going to move over to X-Men number 4 brought to us by Jerry Duggan on writing um Javier Pina on art, Eric Arcaniega on color and Clayton Cowles on lettering. Uh Brandon, I'll hand this one over to you for the My summary. My pleasure. This is a perfect spooktober themed issue. I I'm like kicking myself because I almost wanted to save it for Halloween, like I was just going to read it on Halloween because it's so perfect for that. but uh i i just i had to read it early 
because I'm a, a, a greedy bastard, but <laughs> I, I think I'll probably end up rereading it, you know, when, when Halloween rolls around um, next weekend. Um, but yeah, no, this is a very simple premise. It is Nightmare shows up in New York City looking for Doctor Strange, but oh, Doctor Strange is dead, and yet he is just so, like, tantalized by the presence of um, the X-Men and their, their nightmares that he is like, I just, I gotta get it, I gotta get it, I gotta get in on it. So he ends up, you know, teasing and toying with the X-Men's dreams and memories, only to come to realize that he decided to toy with one of the most powerful Omega-level telepaths, uh, this side of the universe, Jean Grey, who really shows him what's what and uh, decides to give him a little lesson in what happens when you decide to, to fuck with a, an Omega-level telepath and really just sends him packing and uh, he will not be showing up at the X-Men treehouse anytime soon. And Gene returns back to the treehouse and you know Scott's a little uh, worse for wear, but Gene's like, don't worry about it, I took care of it. Because uh, now we know who really wears the pants in that relationship. Um, but we also get some some developments on uh, some of the other subplots. Ben Yurik is is just doing more investigative work on you know this strange occurrence of X Men who were dead coming back to life and seemingly having graves that were disturbed and bodies that were exhumed and that sort of thing. And um, the kind of Elon Musk esque figure Fay Long is still planning his exodus to Mars. And, you know, damn anyone who tries to get in his way and is really trying to infuse himself with almost like cosmic rays in the sense to basically make sure that his body is ready for Mars. And whatever he is planning in Mars, I have no idea. I mean, he just seems really fixated on getting there for his own ego. But what he is actually planning to do when he gets there, I guess we'll have to see. But um, while this issue might seem fillery, uh, which is not a word, but I'm using it anyway, while it might seem like filler to some, I, I just kind of saw it as like a, hey, we're doing like a fun, you know, Halloween-themed issue, and um, we're going to plant some seeds for some of the future developments. But I, I just had a really fun time reading it, honestly, and I thought the artwork was, was pretty good, too. So I ended up giving this one an 8 out of 10. And I love the cover from Pepe. That is like... Such a great uh, tribute to the Headless Horseman. Like, my God. Uh, yes. I was just going to say that. The cover was amazing. It, it yeah. reminded me of, uh, yeah, the the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the movie poster, yeah. right? I guess that's the same. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing work. I couldn't finish the comic. I just uh, read probably the initial pages. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but impressed with uh, whatever I've read. I would give it maybe about seven, just like that, just for the artwork. I flipped through it. Yeah, yeah. I would say when yeah. you get a chance. Maybe, maybe right. save this one excuse me, for next Sunday when it's actually Halloween um, and have a fun little Halloween-themed read. We'll, 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 mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. Yeah, I gave this one an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the art. I enjoyed... I liked I liked, liked it as a loose tie-in to the death of Doctor Strange um, with Marvel's unfortunate uh, like production timeline getting askewed lately. There's, there's always a worry that like these events that are happening in other comics kind of aren't happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but her referencing shame on you for coming here <laughs> while Doctor Strange is dead. So like that that event is happening. All that stuff is real in in this universe, which is just a nice reminder. Yeah. Uh, and then Jean was a badass, and we got that teaser about what's coming up in the next sort of drama of the X Men. And in that last shot with, um, what's his name in the cemetery? Um, 
Ben yeah. Urich. Like, I am... I'm interested. I want to see the X-Men sort of confront this next problem. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if their whole secret of resurrection actually does come to light. Because we have been... I mean... And, and this is something that has been both teased in, in Inferno and in, you know, X-Men. It's, it's this idea that, like, people are getting closer. Actually, in the trial of um, Magneto, too. It's like people are getting closer to sort of understanding the idea that the X-Men are coming back, but they don't know how. And everyone's, like, almost in a race to try and figure mm-hmm. out how in the hell they're actually doing it. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see... You know, if someone actually ends up blowing the doors open on on the whole secret and how much chaos that's going to ensue, or how much chaos will ensue. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up in our spooky month coverage, <laughs> Darkhold Iron Man. Uh, yeah. Brought to us by Ryan North. Guillermo Santa on art, Ian Herring on color, and Clayton Cowles on lettering. Uh, Cyril, I'll pass this one over to you because I don't think Brandon or I had a chance to, mm. to read this one yet, unfortunately. Right. Um, I'm going to be a little brutal on this. I, I didn't really enjoy <laughs> it. I, I didn't enjoy it. I think uh, anything that's apart from mainstream, let's, let's uh, you know, anything like a what if, or which is not exactly the same character, it really should blow you away. That story should be maybe like uh, uh, the current. Um, um, can we discuss uh, MCU here? Yeah, yeah that's splendid. Uh, the uh, the current What If series that's uh, that's on Disney Plus. Uh, the, the very first one, it had a different take on Captain America uh, with Peggy Carter coming in, Captain Carter. I'm not a fan of anything that doesn't. When you think of What If, it should really set the bar really really high. Otherwise, you have a lot of disappointed people like me reading uh, this particular issue. Uh, it's more of a body horror issue. Uh, I guess that's in keeping mm-hmm. with the uh, Dark Hole theme and with uh, Spooktober happening. It had uh, images of uh, Iron Man literally leaking from every single pore and oh, uh, several deaths <laughs> here and there. Um, disappointed. Uh, just that's my personal opinion. Not a body horror person. And like I said, a what if series should really blow your mind. Otherwise, it's not like, you know, it's not a what if. It's like, hey, come on, don't do this. So yeah, I would probably rate this uh, four point five. I'm not sure if I'm being too brutal, but Ooh, uh, yeah, four, yeah, I'm oh, trying no. to be charged with that. <clears throat> but yeah, we, we've definitely been yeah, tough definitely on some. Don't books. hold back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess uh, with all the 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 artwork's got its own style, which is totally different from all the other series. Uh, so for me to pick this up after reading the others and like a majestic, amazing Spider-Man uh, was a little bit of a come down. So I, I think I'm being a little unfair on this, but uh, yeah, I didn't really enjoy it. And hence the low score. Hey, you're only being unfair if you don't give your honest opinion. So we really appreciate this. <laughs> yeah, yes, this is honesty colored with a little bit of bias, which is why I'm really not comfortable saying that. Yeah, that, that, that's it from me on, on uh, Dark Old Iron Man. All right. Um, yeah, and we sort of expected Dark Hold to at least go the body horror mm-hmm. route from the start. Yeah. Like you said, it's definitely in line with our expectations of the series. Mm. Uh, I am disappointed that the issue didn't really uh, blow you away. Uh, because I did like the, the intro. I thought it was like a fine introduction to the concept. I just, uh, I guess I hoped for a little bit more and... 
I was just too uh, too wrapped up in other comics to, to get around to this one, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, same mm-hmm. here. But I'm interested in the other designs of some of the characters they've chosen for Darkhold, so I will try and catch up on both this issue and what happens in the other Darkhold issues. So expect some of our coverage to, to continue on uh, on Darkhold. Yeah, right. It'll be great to discuss the entire Darkhold series, maybe, in, in, a, in, a, in a forthcoming mm-hmm. episode. Mm. All right. Next, we've got the thrilling conclusion of Gamma Flight. Uh, this is issue five by Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier. Lan Medina on art, Antonio Fabela on color, and Joe Sabino on lettering. Uh, I also missed this one uh, with some family stuff, but Brandon, I will hand it over to you to talk Gamma Flight. Uh, I'm excited to hear about it because I I am reading this one this afternoon. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, basically this is, uh, quite literally, this is the wrap-up of the whole Scar, uh, Stockpile, um, you know, that sort of... uh, plot angle of, of how they're actually tying everything together and um, we, we get I think we get a lot of resolution in this issue uh, um, of some of the dynamics that um, that, I, that I think people have been wanting to explore especially with um, with with scar and, and and abomination and all those guys and um, <clears throat> I think I think that was kind of satisfying to see because I mean, I remember, you know, even though I was kind of late to the party with the Mortal Hulk, some of the bigger questions were, you know, where is Abomination? Where were all these other Hulk characters? Well, what are they up to? How do they feel about some of the current changes? And this was kind of answering that. And so we kind of get to see um, both uh, Scar and Abomination kind of reconcile their own relationship, uh, as well as um, some of the um, characters that had been... uh, really just screwed up by the Immortal Hulk run, like the uh, Rick Jones and Del Fry kind of fusion, um, which was just, I mean, it was great body horror if, if that's your thing, but it was just horrifying to look at. But that, thankfully, mercifully, is finally brought to its conclusion um, as uh, Del Fry and, and Rick Jones are separated by a device um, used by some of the um, former Shadowbase people and they are separated and, and uh, seemingly in good health. I mean, Rick Jones looks like he's, I guess, normal again. I don't even know if he has any gamma powers, but, um, you know, um, <clears throat> it was just a really nice, satisfying conclusion for this, this team and this story, and it was good to see both Stockpile and Dell and, and Rick Jones just kind of have their satisfying conclusions. Um, and even Scar kind of have a, a moment where he... Um, is sort of able to uh, to be like, yeah, you know, I was kind of led by abomination in this way, but I um, I'm I'm kind of on my own now. I need to I need to work towards the stuff that I want to do, which was nice. So, I, I just thought it was a pretty satisfying conclusion for this miniseries, and um, you know, it wasn't anything grand, but I think if you were someone who liked Gamma Flight from the Immortal Hulk book, this was just kind of a really satisfying storyline, and and was kind of able to dig into some of the characters a little bit more. Because I noticed that it was almost like a motif through each issue. It basically begins with narration from a different person from Gamma Flight, and you really get a sense of who they are as a character, and all that stuff is just done really well. So I, I enjoyed it, and I think, I think as a conclusion, you'll enjoy it too. Um, Cyril, I'm not sure if you've been following this series, but 
Um, I think we have all the back issues available. So if you get a chance and you've, if you've been reading Immortal Hulk, I would definitely recommend checking this one out. It was just, just kind of a satisfying read for this team. I, I will be doing that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Now we're into our soapbox, the, the comics where we really want to get up and we have a lot to talk about or a lot to say on them. And we're going to start with uh, the strongest one there is. Jeez, back to back. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Brandon. I guess we did this out of order, but. No, that's okay. We're going to cover uh, Immortal Hulk number 50 next. No, I, I, I meant more back to back as in uh, uh, this kind of hulk setting because we have gamma flight mm. and now we have a mortal hulk number 50 so it's really bringing everything <laughs> to the close yeah and so this one writing by al ewing joe bennett on pencils rui jose and bellardino bravo on ink paul mounts on color and Corey pettit on lettering and i'm gonna hand this one over to brandon but yeah damn. this is a monumental issue an immortal issue you might even say if you if you really wanted to put a fine point on it uh in that it is the culmination of everything and i really do mean everything that that they have been building to in hulk so far and uh this is one of those issues where uh, when Marvel says it is an 80-page giant, it is an 80-page giant because I think this thing took me in total about 45 minutes to read. But this summary will take a considerably less amount of time than that. So um, let's start a little bit with the, the structuring of this issue. So there is the main story, or A story, where Hulk... Um, um, uh, why am I blanking on her name? Um, oh, my God. The, the journalist that... that um, Hulk has been been uh, traveling with for a little bit. Um, oh my God, um, um, something McGee. Um, yeah, I'm tragically I'm no better at this crap. point. Um, uh, no, I I, I I need to know her name. Um, damn. Uh, guess we gotta go to Google. Hang on. Sorry, folks. Uh, her name is Jackie McGee. That was Jacqueline McGee. Jacqueline McGee. I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so terrible with names sometimes. Like I can remember plot points and stuff like that, but names they will just ooze out of your brain. But anyway, as I was saying, uh, really there, there are two stories here. There's uh, kind of our A story involving um, the cosmic Hulk, Joe Fixit, um, the kind of baby Hulk that we know and love, who talks like a child and. Uh, um, Jackie McGee venturing into the below place, uh, what we know is hell, to rescue Bruce Banner from the, uh, from the leader who has now been possessed by the one below all. That is our kind of main story, and our B story uh, really revolves around uh, two people in the early 1900s, um, the, I guess, uh, ancestor of Samuel Stearns, the leader, who is kind of like this religious zealot, and uh, um, his brother, um, uh, Robert Stearns, um, who has been experimenting with Gamma. And uh, <clears throat> I won't go too into detail on the kind of B story. Basically, that just kind of revolves around a falling out between uh, older brother and younger brother, where Sam finds out that his, uh, his older brother has been, uh, to put it not so delicately, making time with his wife in a way that he is not very happy about and uh, lashes out about that. And 
Um, I think that really was kind of thematically supposed to set up some stuff that um, <clears throat> we have come to know about the Banner family because Samuel Stearns, his wife, as we later learn, is, uh, is, is a Banner, is an ancestor of Banner. And uh, there, there's this great moment. I, I won't go too into detail on it, but as he kind of, you know, expels his wife from his life after finding out about her infidelity uh, and literally closes the door on her face, we discover that that door is green and that that door was always green. And I was like, oh my God, that is so, that is just so fucking clever. Like such a way to kind of build that, that thematic legacy of what the green door will come to represent in, in Bruce Banner's life and, and so forth. But um, I'm, I'm dancing around the A story right now because there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack. And if you have not been reading this run, a lot of it will be a little bit confusing. But uh, to kind of sum it up, it, it basically revolves around them uh, making their ascent through the uh, leader's fortress and kind of all of the Easter eggs that come with it. And, and really, it is the, um, the baby Hulk that kind of busts through first uh, and then is followed by the Cosmic Hulk and Jackie McGee. And that whole, um, that, the whole layout of, um, of the leader's fortress is kind of allegorical to a lot of uh, some of the experiences that Hulk is, has been through and some of the people that he's met throughout his life. And there are, I guess, a lot of callbacks to, to Hulk history, both some that we've established in this run and some from, from previous runs. And uh, like I said, it, it is really just the culmination of everything. And um, it, 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 I think, serves as a great way for Al Ewing to kind of make his, his thesis statement about what the Hulk represents, his whole history and everything, as we come towards the end, where they face off against the one below all as they, they now basically uh, understand that the leader has become completely possessed by this point and that um, they, you know, all remnants of, of who the leader was are gone and that has just become a, a shell of the, the one below all. And that is sort of when we get this really great moment from um, both the Cosmic Hulk and the Baby Hulk where they confront the one below all and basically say, what, what is my purpose? You know, what, they get real existential with it and say, why am I here? You know, wh what am I here to exist for? Why is there a Hulk? And I will not spoil the reasons given or, or what is actually there or who actually says it. But what I will say is that basically it, it, it ties back to an idea that was introduced, if you remember, from the very first issue of Hulk, which it just, again, just blew my mind how well this thing all ties together but if you remember from immortal hulk all the way back from 2018 that very first issue of um that kind of how it opens and i actually had to go back and, and reread it um of uh there are two people that you see in every mirror the one that you see and the one that you don't see which is really supposed to represent evil and and good or good and evil uh on both sides and and this idea of existing in between two extremes there are, there are good people on one end, there are evil people on other end, and the Hulk kind of rests somewhere in between and that he can represent both good and evil, but is not really sure where that is supposed to be. And, uh, and it's almost like this never-ending nature of questioning um, whether you will be good or whether you will be evil. And someone reveals this to him. Again, I, I will not spoil it because it is an excellent reveal, um, but I, I thought that was just a great way for for Al and company to make their point on 
what the Hulk actually represents about, you know, whether he is this kind of beast, this monster, um, or whether he is a figure for good, or, and I'm about to blow your mind, people, or is he both, right? <laughs> if you remember from that very first trade, from the very first issue, is he good, is he evil, or is he both? Or is he neither? That's really up for us to determine, but uh, the kind of question that, that Al leaves us with is, is central to that. And uh, long story short, they're able to both save uh, Bruce Banner as well as, um, uh, as well as Sam Stearns, the leader, who has seemingly had his fill of gamma-filled adventures, and he just wants a normal life at this point. Like, he is just, he's way out there. He's like, I've seen way too much. I, I need to never question things again. It's like, yeah, after this, I probably wouldn't either. Um, but thankfully, as they return from the Forever Gate with some assistance from Dr. Uh, Dr. I don't, I don't really know what to call him at this point. The, the fusion of um, Dr. Lankowski and, um, and uh, um, the, uh, oh my God, I'm so bad with names. Um, uh uh, Shoot! Now my brain's filling. Oh my god! It's also because I may be a little tired, so I, I apologize, people at home. But um, uh, <laughs> oh my god, this is embarrassing. Um, uh, Doc Samson, Doc Samson—that's his name. Um, the the fusion of of Walt Lankowski and Doc Samson. I guess they're just calling him Doc Lankowski or whatever. Uh, but anyway, with some assistance from the Fantastic Four and Doc Lankowski. They're able to bring back everyone from the below, pay, from the below place uh, and I, I guess seemingly fix Bruce Banner who is almost kind of has all of his uh, personalities compressed into one body again and is, is normal which I guess is kind of a clean way to set everything up for the new Hulk series that will be uh, mm-hmm. coming next month um, from, uh, from Mr. Cates and Mr. Otley. Um, but yeah, I just... I. I mean, again, this was a, an issue that was an incredibly long, incredibly dense read, but I think for me a very satisfying read, and I almost kind of had to, once I finished, step away from it for a little while and just really think about what it all meant and, and some of the wow. deeper thematic stuff that was really buried under the surface. It just gave me a lot to think about, and I think, hands down, this run will go down as, as one of the best Hulk runs, certainly one of the most thoughtful Hulk runs out there. And uh, for those who have not had a chance to read this series, if we if we have not been hyping it up, me and Kirk, um, please please go check it out when you have a chance. It has just been a phenomenal ride so far, and uh, I was I was just really really satisfied with the dismount. So I ended up giving this one a nine out of ten. Wow. It was just a great way to tie everything together, and I loved it. Yeah, for this one, I there, there's very little I can say that uh, Brandon and I hasn't already covered, but the the. Th- thematic pieces of why is there a Hulk what really spoke to me in that question was uh, sort of revisiting the question of why Hulk of all comic characters is something that they that has routinely come up and and been popular Mm -hmm. people always talk about how comic books reflect some piece of something that someone is either dealing with or aspires to and Hulk originally was all about, you know, the anger and the uh, the will of something that you can't control. And, and there was a strong relation to that a lot of people found because Hulk grew in popular. Yeah. The, this classic Jekyll and Hyde tale 
really appealed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then as the story grew, why is there a Hulk ends up becoming more and more of a question, especially since we've gone through many, many, many now decades of um, of that character growing and trying to advance. We've had smart Hulks. We've had Joe Fixit Hulks. We've had Hulkless banners. We've had all of these different elements but it always comes back and for the comic to sort of meta ask itself both in and outside why is there a hulk and what does it mean to have a hulk yeah absolutely was a really cool thought-provoking thing and i i really spent a lot of time thinking about that because we are about to go into a new hulk issue that i don't expect to be as cerebral but i do expect to answer the question in its own way you know like yeah, yeah, what, definitely. What we get out of this new Hulk comic should answer the question of why do we have a Hulk? Yeah, I, I think and, I think that's, I think that's, that's yeah, I think that's a that's like a perfect way to put it. Of um, you know, like this this character, why does he continue to persist in, in that sort of thing? That's that's a great way to to put it. Mm-hmm. And it was just because of that it was it was fun to watch it was fun to look at like the the art in these books are outstanding the story yeah yeah i can't think of too many 50 issue runs where i'm like guys this 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 run this is it yeah but i don't know i i loved it i i had a bit of the big big a plot twist Calling it a twist is wrong, but the big A-plot reveal uh, spoiled for me, and I still enjoyed this comic. I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, honestly, if I'm if I'm being honest, it maybe almost deserves a 10 out of 10, because I genuinely can't think of a thing to take marks off of No, for it, neither can I. But I'm very hard-pressed <laughs> to give a 10 out of 10. But I, I want the audience to know that I'm struggling not to say that this is a 10 out of 10 book. Yeah, it is. Seriously, it is a phenomenal phenomenal wrap up to this run so far and um and uh yeah i just i I don't know like it i i feel like there's just there's there's so much still that can be said but we don't want to be here for hours but again what i will say and and i think kirk definitely knows this better than than me or cyril is that please i mean you can still enjoy it with it but please do not have this book spoiled for you if you have been reading it so far because that reveal is just like you i you need it to just come naturally otherwise it's like just i i I just i would would say that to have that reveal just come to you and just like what is is i would say really satisfying So, so don't have it spoiled if you have friends who are reading it don't have them send any spoilers don't look at like Newsarama or CBR or anything. Don't let them. Don't let them get you early. <laughs> um, I'm actually feeling bad that I didn't read this. <clears throat> it was an 80-page giant, and I oh. thought, uh, well, let me save this for later when I have the time. And I obviously didn't have the time. But then, uh, <laughs> wow! The way you guys are speaking about this, I should probably spend the time, make time for reading this, and probably reading it literally cover to cover, spending at least three minutes per page admiring the story as well as the art <laughs> oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. man I, I flipped through the book and I found uh, several splash pages and I think there were a couple of uh, MC Escher stairwells as well right Hulk seeing multiple versions of himself walking up another stairs um, art was mind-blowing yeah. yeah yes yes okay this is on my reading list for sure 
All right. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. All right. Next up, we've got Trial of Magneto, issue number three. Brought to us by writer Leah Williams, Lucas Wernick, and David Messina on art, Edgar Delgado on coloring, and lettering by Clayton Cowles. So, this issue continues uh, the Trial of Magneto arc with... um, the death of Wanda, who uh, was revealed to have returned in some way at the end of last issue. Uh, and this issue clears up a bit that this Wanda appears to have been resurrected using an old backup from Cerebro. Uh, because she does not know who many of the people here are. She refers to Magneto as her father. She... Um, believes she is still married to vision she does not recognize uh billy and tommy uh and so they they decide that they have to figure out how to communicate with her that she uh, or what has happened in the interim in the time since she died how to fill in her missing memories at the very least so she can remember her sons and then uh in or as well in there we get brief more interaction from uh North Star and Magneto. Mm. North Star actually getting like some damage in on Magneto. Yeah, he's really pissed. Uh, and that he was really pissed and really threatening Magneto and proving that maybe he could be a threat to Magneto, <laughs> which is a really cool look for him. And then we get to a, a kaiju attack. <laughs> um, three giant super monsters show up and the uh, random groups of some Avengers and some X-Men teaming up to fight the kaijus. We get Sink and Wasp fighting one. We get Wolverine um, and uh, shoot, who else? Anywho, we get team ups. Yeah, really, <laughs> just everyone. Uh, them fighting kaiju's, and they do, and they defeat them. And then there's a big reveal at the end that, in some sort of chaos dimension, that something else is still going on with Wanda. So this book, I have a sort of uh, weird feeling on it. I loved Trial of Magneto one and two. I really did, yep. and. By this point, we're now past the halfway point of this of this five this five part mini, and I definitely don't think we are in a place where we should be having a random kaiju fight filler issue. And maybe I'm being too hard on it, but f- one thing that I'm going to have to cover this book is not this series is not shaping up to be what was promised. In June, they killed Wanda at the Hellfire Gala, and they told us that we were getting a five-part mini called The Trial of Magneto that was really going to focus hard on an X-Factor investigation of Magneto and a trial of him proving himself innocent or or whatever happened between him and Wanda. We're now well past the halfway point, 
X Factor has not done much of an investigation aside from punching Magneto in the face. Like they they did a little bit, and then Wanda came back at the end of issue two, and then we're having a kaiju fight. Like there's there's no trial here, and realistically, based on what they reveal at the end of this issue, this five part mini is about Wanda. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it just it it it, it feels a little deceptive, and uh, <clears throat> well, I, I think. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you could certainly still have an interesting story. Um, I, yeah, I just, I feel like this issue was, was. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be totally mean on it, but just like the definition of filler, where it was literally just like, we just need something to take space until we can get to the last two issues that will be more important. Because like, there's just, there's like a, like a just random kaiju fight for like, was well, like seven pages, pages or something yeah it was like it was like just totally unexplained it just happens and they're just like okay and then suddenly wanda and then the issue's over it's like what <laughs> what just happened almost like they they were mm. about to start answering questions and they're like oh shit wait i need to do that in the fourth issue not the third issue so let's just have a random kaiju fight and we'll deal with that instead yeah, yeah, and and that was it. Was this this book is in the middle of a series that I'm interested in, and I'm invested in it going to somewhere cool. Wanda's relationship with mutant kind is something that I think needs to be explored in the new age of mutants. Yeah, sure. And the new age of mutants being allowed as part of the Marvel universe again. The, the big Fox-Marvel divide affected comic books and this character more than probably any other character in terms of how they could be represented in the comics. The, the X-Men were relegated to just, like, they're in their own corner and they're not allowed to be in anything else. And But this character literally was stripped of her status as a mutant because of that drama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's cool and I want them to explore it and I want it to be something... And I also really feel like if there wasn't an ongoing series right now called Death of Doctor Strange, that this series could have been called Death of the Scarlet Witch <laughs> and like wouldn't have even noticed the difference because it doesn't it's not a Magneto centric story, really. Not anymore. No, no. I mean, he's kind of taken the back seat, you know, and, and hasn't really there really hasn't been a trial in any sense. I mean, it's more just like. They have accused him. He got mad about it. They put him out. Then he woke up again and, you know, started stalling and, and you know, to, to make sure they didn't get the body. And then now we're here, right? And it's like he hasn't, hasn't really had a moment where he defends himself. He just is kind of like, I didn't do it. And then I did do it. But I'm only saying that because I need to stall you guys so we can do something with mm-hmm. the body. <laughs> and they also, in the in the last other piece that I have to knock this issue on is they teased that uh, Billy was gonna be a like he was gonna powerfully react uh, to what happened. You know, he's a reality warper as well, mm-hmm. and that and he felt the death of his mother, and that he was like they teased that there was gonna be some big drama, but he shows up just in time for them to be like, wait a minute. That's not mom. And him to be like, yeah, duh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, that's his entire reaction. He's like, that's 
that's Wanda, but that's not Mom. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's the whole. He's really torn up for about that. it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. This issue, I I want four and five to really come back and knock it out of the park. So this is just a, a blip on the radar. But I didn't love how they spent their time here. Um, though seeing some weird mutants interact with the Avengers was cool. Like Captain America talking to iBoy. Yeah, really I was nice. like, this is kind of fun. <laughs> so I'm not going to give it too too hard a, a scoring. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. It's If you're reading The Trial of Magneto and provided it doesn't go downhill from here, you're not going to hate buying this one. But it is a dip in the quality of what you're expecting is to continue sort of the hype from number two. Yeah, no, this one got a 6 out of 10 for me. I mean, if you want to watch the X-Men fight Kaiju randomly for 10 pages, here you go. But in terms of any relevance to what we'd been trying to establish with the story so far, it was just kind of a disappointment. I, I agree. I think uh, issue number one and num- number two, it really progressed the story forward, and this was like bringing it down by a few notches. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd be a little more... Uh, uh, harsh, I would probably give it 5.5 and the negative from 6 would be entirely for the kaiju piece which uh, <laughs> there was there was no there was no, you know, uh, rhyme or reason for that unless they showed that somebody planted this these monsters were there for a reason it, it really didn't uh, make any sense, I completely was totally confused for a little while initially when Wanda was still kind of realizing who she is, I thought it could be a kind of a throwback to what we saw in Death of Doctor Strange. It's a Doctor Strange from a, from the past coming to, you know, uh, coming to uh, grips on what's happening. But then it soon turned out to be a, a totally different situation. Yeah, kind of disappointed, but then it's uh, it's it's the middle issue. It's getting the, it, it's getting the middle child uh, treatment. I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that uh, issues number four and number five. I'm really, really looking for them to really, really uh, pick up the pace and bring this to a conclusion, a really meaningful and satisfactory conclusion. Because number one and number two really set it up for that that kind of pace and that kind of trajectory. Yeah, I really hope so. Yeah. Awesome. And our final issue today, we have Thor issue eighteen with by Donny Cates with guest artists Pascal Ferry and Bob Quinn, with Matt Wilson on color and Joe Sabino on lettering. And Brandon, do you want to talk about My that? pleasure. So Odin's son is not happy. Mjolnir is missing, and he's like, what the hell do I do? So he decides to call on someone that he normally would not call on in any situation, especially not to handle something as important as the disappearance of Mjolnir, but decides to swallow his pride a little bit and actually say the words, please help me, to his dear brother Loki, who uh, replies with a very sincere and honest, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right? The last time I tried to help you with Mjolnir, I was just traumatized by the whole you know, Donald Blake thing. I do not want to go through that again. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, I, I just, I need you. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do this. You have other people that you can call on. Um, and, I mean, let's be honest, you really just need a spy anyway. And then he kind of realizes what Lo- what Thor was driving at this whole time, which is he needs someone to get spies for him. He needs someone who he can trust to get spies. And who does he know that he can, you know... 
How does he know that, that, um, that, that he can call on that would serve as an excellent spy? And uh, that's when we go to the wonderful realm of the Forever Glade, uh, told in such flowery uh, uh, you know, uh, captions and dialogue and that sort of thing, where Throg arrives triumphant, having returned from vanquishing the evil Donald Blake, and everyone loves him for it, and his moment of, of triumph is, is almost immediately upstaged by the arrival of Thor, who's literally just like, oh, I, I, I hope I didn't you know, interrupt your, your moment of glory there, Throg, and you can tell he's a little upset about that, but... Uh, <clears throat> Throg thankfully gets his moment to shine where he's like, you know, Thor basically is stammering over trying to ask for help and he's like, dude, I already know Mjolnir's missing and you need someone to find it, right? And he's like, oh my god, how, how do you, he's like, I am already aware for these things, I, uh, I know everything, Throg knows everything, he says quite literally, and so the rest of the issue is basically like, alright, Throg has decided to become Nick Fury of the MCU and needs to put his team of Avengers together, and uh, no, I'm not bullshitting you, he's literally putting his team of Avengers together, and that team consists of Hugin and Munin, the ravens who have been acting as like Thor's eyes and ears across the realms of Midgard, Lockjaw, uh, uh, Lockheed, Kitty Pride's dragon, and seemingly what you think is going to be Doctor Strange prior to his death, but is actually Bats the ghost dog, which I thought was great. And he's putting, te- putting together his little team of, of animals and spies <clears throat> that will go out and seek information on where Mjolnir might have disappeared to. But again, don't just call them spies, call them the Avengers. And uh, that's, that's basically it. It was just a lot of fun um, to read. And I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm totally here for this team of all animal spy Avengers. Um, and I... I fully expects Marvel to do a five-issue miniseries of Throg and his Avengers after this, and I would definitely read every single issue of that, but no, it was just a lot of fun, and I think it's kind of like a setup towards what we're going to be getting in the next arc, where, you know, they'll really be trying to answer the question of where did Mjolnir actually go, and what happened to it, I think it'll just be really cool, so... Um, I actually gave this one an 8.5. I just It was a quick read, but it was very satisfying. And um, I thought the art from Pascal Ferry and, and Bob Quinn, actually, who had been um, doing um, some great stuff on How, or not House of X, Way of X, um, did a really great job here. So, yeah, it was, it was just a solid read all around. Well, that's... Mm-hmm. that's yeah, I gave this one a... Go, go on, Kirk. I gave this one a... Uh, I gave this one a 7.5. Uh, I liked the issue. It was fun. It was a good read. Uh, but it really was just a bringing the team together issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just get a lot of shots of Throg recruiting some unlikely animal Avengers <laughs> uh, for a really dramatic splash page. But honestly, Throg, Lockheed, Lockjaw, and Bats, and Hoogan and Mugen. Hoogan and Moonen. Yeah. It's a good team. Should be fun. Yeah. I uh, and I do I do love that the line that uh, Throg gives is, you know, we may be spies, but when we come together, you will know us as the Avengers. <laughs> it's just like, like it is so over the top, but I love it. Like I love Throg. As, like really weirdly, he's such a goofy character, but every time he usually hits this perfect pace of he's really goofy. But he doesn't think he's really No, good. he <laughs> is speaking, like, entirely genuinely. Like, he is like, yes, I am, you know, great. But, you, you know, you're hearing, like, this almost, like, posturing, 
you know, very king-like speak from a Tron frog. knows everything. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> it's it's so great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really enjoyed the issue. I, I uh, it it doesn't really do much in the way of action or tension. Mm. Um, and I think so. Next issue, we're probably going to get the resolution of this Throg quest. And I think then we're supposed to launch into the God of Hammers arc that they've been teasing. Yes. Uh, which I'm excited for. I hope uh, I hope it's good. All right, that is our last comic of the day. So now let's uh, we can go around and we can share what our our top three and our favorite panel of the week are. Um, who wants to Who wants to start? I'll I'll kick off. I think. I'll, I'll I'll probably have three of them. Number one is uh, the one from Spider-Man, uh, the one that showed uh, Ben Riley on the right and Peter Parker on the left. It, was, it made for a wonderful image on two different Spider-Mans with two different fates in store. Uh, that's probably my number one. Uh, I mean, that will be number one by leaps and frog, uh, 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 by, by, by a giant margin, because I guess the entire art in Spider-Man is superior to anything else that Marvel's doing. Right? My personal opinion, guys, please don't bash me up after this show for that. Uh, <laughs> number one, number two would be uh, Throg. I think the swagger in which he says uh, Throg knows everything. Ultimately, he, I think he uh, sips a glass of wine or something and puts it back and says, "I'll need yeah. a team." I mean, that I'll need a team. The swagger in which he says that, I think that, that that's that's great. Uh, then I think the entire MC Escher stable from Hulk, uh, Immortal Hulk. I think Immortal Hulk will have several of them. Uh, this one jumped at me because I'm an Escher fan. Uh, I guess these three would be my my top picks. Awesome, uh, Brandon. Yeah, um, at number three, I had uh, Amazing Spider-Man seventy six. That was just a it's it's been really just a super solid storyline so far. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm here for it, and I'm excited to see what comes next. Uh, at two, I had Thor number eighteen. Even if it was like really just kind of an establishment issue. I just really enjoyed it. Like it was just a fun, excuse me, a fun way to kind of set up what comes next and, and a, a fun way to tell it. Um, but at number one, I feel like this should come as no surprise. It was Immortal Hulk number fifty. Just an excellent issue all around. I mean, I, I seriously, I could spend you know, forever on that issue. It, 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 forever on this run entirely. If I'm being entirely honest, it's just. It, I think, yeah, hands down, it's going to go down as, you know, one of my favorite Marvel runs in, you know, in, in recent memory. And I think in a lot of people's memory as well. It's just a remarkable, remarkable job. Well, I thought we were discussing panels. Uh, sorry, I, I misunderstood the oh, question. Oh, oh, oh. No, that, that's okay. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's our, our top three books for the weekend. Oh, and uh, a right. particularly standout moment if you, if you have one. But yeah, right, you're, you're right. totally fine. You can, you can have three standout moments. That's okay. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Kirk, will you allow that? Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and then we'll we'll circle back to Cyril for his top three issues of the week as well. Oh, right. So he sure. can uh, he can put those in. Oh yeah, and I guess yeah, I guess my favorite moment of this week is probably um, the the aforementioned spoiler from Immortal Hulk that I will not go into, but trust me, you'll know where it is when you see it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know exactly which panel you're referring to, and it's a good mm-hmm. one. Uh, so, Cyril, what were your top three books for this week? Well, uh, 
Amazing Spider-Man is uh, number one. Uh, I think the death of Doctor Strange would be number two. I really haven't read uh, Immortal Hulk, otherwise I'm sure that that would have been number one and maybe ASM would be number two and Doctor Strange would be number three. But yeah, uh, number three would be... Uh, well, that's that's kind of tough. It's a book that we haven't really covered. It's uh, Black Panther. Uh, some great artwork and a good retelling of the origin story. So yes, mm-hmm. number one, two, and three. Awesome. All right, and for me, I think my, my number three is X-Men number four. It's a great Halloween issue. Uh, and then number two, I'll give it to Fantastic 437. I really just had a good time with that book. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Uh, and number one, I've got to give it to Immortal Hulk. But mm. uh, unless something surprises us in the future, it's going to be a while until an Immortal Hulk takes my number one of the week again. Uh, so you're not going to... You guys aren't going to hear us I know. harping about how good it is for a little while. Um, but unless, unless guys. you know, Hulk number one is just this amazing masterpiece. And, uh, you know, I'm still holding my breath about that one because we'll see. But, yeah, hey, uh, we're going to miss the days where, you know, Moral Hulk was top of the charts every time. Mm-hmm. And then for my favorite moment, favorite panel, uh, I want to give my favorite panel to... Uh, in Death of Doctor Strange, the the splash page of Crown, Weird, and Crawling <laughs> all standing together, like, they're so creepy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I do like them as, like, grotesque villains. Like, I think they're on the cover of one of the next issues or on a variant cover of one of the next issues. And I, I, I like them. They're, they're gross. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're gross for sure. Uh, especially crawling. Hey, uh, yeah. With all the worms going on. All right. Um, and now we get to share... what What's your least favorite issue of the week? Um, I think I'm just going to start with mine. It's it's a tragedy, but I think Trial of Magneto has to take my least favorite issue this week. Oh, that was um, mine, too. Mine, too. <laughs> Unanimous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, and again, I, I don't even know that it's... Um, um, you know, again, a, a terrible issue. It's just, I think, for me, it's the lowest one because it was so disappointing as compared to the other two. Yeah, honestly, a, a filler issue of X-Men and even with some Avengers team-ups fighting some kaiju, in a lot of other scenarios, wouldn't have been dished on this hard. Mm. The art is nice and, like, you know, a good old-fashioned kaiju fight, they happen in comic books. They're okay. Like, I would have probably given that a, a higher rating if it... Was sort of the point of what I was expecting, and it wasn't such an obvious stall to like. Mm. They invited us to buy this issue for one reason, and then they were like, "Oh, we don't even have five issues worth of material, so let's drop a kaiju fight in there." Is what it felt like, like, and that's that's why I've, it jarred me so much. I don't feel like it was inherently bad. I just feel like it's not at all what is promised in this mm. issue. Or in this series. But that's the end of our show today, everyone. Thank you so much, uh, Brandon and Cyril, for reviewing these comics. And thank you so much to our listeners out there. Uh, all of you guys listening and participating and you know, sharing, liking, all of that stuff. It really helps spread the word and gives us the ability to keep making more of the content you guys enjoy. 
and thank you to our Patreon supporters. Uh, those contributions are really contributing to the network overall, and we're really excited to keep bringing you more content. If you're interested in our Patreon or any of the other shows Not A Robot's putting together, you can check them out at notarobotpodcasts.com. And with that said, as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. I'm gonna go, 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 I'm g